Hey everybody, welcome to the Did You Know Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's show is going to be a little bit different than what I usually do, and it's going to be a guest who's different than someone I usually talk to. Most of the circles that I run in are mostly libertarian. A lot of, but not all of, Bitcoin is kind of a libertarian-leaning-ish group of people. So I've been going out of my way to try and expand my circle a bit and get different people's perspectives on Bitcoin and why it's important to them. And talking to somebody who's about as left of myself as I've really interacted with, uh, I thought was a really good thing to do. It was a great conversation. Of course, we don't agree on everything, uh, but there are aspects of what we agree on. And I think it's a really interesting thing. And I think it's important for everybody out there who may go, I don't really want to hear what a socialist has to say. I think it's important, even if you go like they're going to say things that are absolutely ridiculous. It's important to know what the other side's saying. If you want to be able to, you know, talk to them, if you want to be able to try to convince them of a better way, or if you want to try to refute their own arguments uh, with them or with a different crowd. So I think you should go into this with an open mind and just kind of, you know, it's just two people who are passionate about Bitcoin talking about Bitcoin and what led them to that decision. I know I'm going a little bit long here again in the intro, but if you could go over to iTunes, leave me a five-star review, I'd really appreciate it. And also I'm gonna be releasing a discounts program for listeners and supporters, absolutely free. Go to supportmypodcast.com slash discounts at supportmypodcast.com slash discounts. And you're gonna have discounts on things from Keep Keys to Tracers to uh, Bitcoin art and Bitcoin merchandise and clothing, as well as uh, a lot of health food stuff that I like to use, keto related stuff, um, uh, mushroom coffee, which, you know, Google that from Four Sigmatic. It's a pretty cool stuff. I really like it. And also topically right now, if you could go over to Bitcoin, F-O-R-A-L-S, BitcoinforALS.com and help support a really cool thing that is being uh, run right now, which is to uh, support ALS research and Hal Finney's name. If you don't know who Hal Finney is, Google it. He's a very important person, probably the second most important person in Bitcoin's history, in my opinion. You can also go on Twitter at Bitcoin4ALS. That's the number four, Bitcoin, the number four ALS. Follow it. And we're going to be um, um, supporting them in, in their efforts to uh, to honor Hal's memory. So sorry again for going long, but I want to say thank you for listening and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome Ben, better known as BTC Socialist on Twitter. As well as Twittering, Ben also has produced a collection of tutorials on the World Crypto Network on YouTube using cheap hardware to make everyday devices. Ben, welcome to the show. Hello. How do you do? Good, good. I I, I was glad that we were able to do this and you know we kind of talked uh, a little bit through DMs and everything like that, but the reason that I wanted to do this was that you know I mostly run in you know kind of libertarian circles since kind of the majority of Bitcoin uh, fall somewhere kind of on that spectrum, no pun intended, uh, perhaps less so today than it did, you know, three to four years ago. It's a little bit different than it was when I first kind of started jumping in in 2013, 2014. Uh, but I think the reason, you know, one of the big things is that the, this kind of falls along the lines of what I view as one of the more important aspects of the kind of pseudo anonymous Satoshi meme 
you know, is that he created a framework in which different people of different backgrounds kind of, kind of attach their own meaning to it and attach their own meanings to Bitcoin and what, what it represents to them. And that way kind of doesn't necessarily peg Bitcoin to any one thing or belief or anything like that. And that allows that yeah. network to enlarge. So I think before we actually kind of get into anything kind of more deeper or detailed, I think we need to kind of define two things. And uh, first, why don't we start with, you know, what is your explanation of Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin to you? Um, well, well, the explanation, my explanation of Bitcoin would be, um, it's as if we've kind of discovered gold for the first time. And it's these big lumps of this, this attractive looking metal, which we're finding on the ground. And we're like, well, this stuff looks good. Um, and we're using it. We're excited about it. We're using it. We're passing it between each other. Um, and we're using it to kind of exchange value. Um, but we have absolutely no idea of the, the sort of commodity value in the future, which will be found from these, these lumps of gold. Um, uh, so it has, you know, the values which we can use it for, 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 for value transfer, but you know, like as as with gold, you know, gold's used in dentistry. It's used in computers. It's uh, I think there's um, there's more gold in a ton of old mobile phones than there is a ton in a ton of gold ore now. Um, uh, so it's, it has all these additional uses, which those original people who for, first saw those lumps of attractive gold wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to think of. Uh, and for me, um, uh, that's you know that that's pretty much Bitcoin. Bitcoin's at a kind of an early stage. We've we've invented this thing, we've made this thing, and we just don't really know what to do with it. So we're just sort of passing it like dumbly to each other. Um, uh, you say that you know Bitcoin uh, has been predominantly sort of libertarian or um, uh, for since, since you've been involved in it since 2013. But but pre then, um, in, in the in the very early days, there was there was quite a bit more discussion. Um, from different uh, political camps around Bitcoin, um, and I, I feel that some, some that some of the the sort of left side kind of got drowned out somewhat. Um, and I've noticed that when, because um, obviously I'm quite outward with my you know ideology <laughs> uh, with my Twitter name, and uh, when I when I go to conferences and meetups, people are kind of that they're they're either intrigued. Or um, they come along and, and secretly say to me, yeah, there's a lot of things I agree with, which you say. So um, that's partly why I decided to kind of raise the flag and come out a bit more um, and say, you know, I, as a socialist, I can see uh, socialist values in which are inherently in, in Bitcoin, in my opinion. But as also you said, which is a very important point is Bitcoin, you know, at the end of the day, it's a protocol um, and you can a a apply politics to something like email you know you could say it's uh i don't know emails anarcho-capitalist in some way or whatever or socialist in another way um but uh it's really just a protocol which enables you to do a thing um or a bunch of things uh so i think i'm always overwhelmed by how satoshi remained unpolitical there's that one cal finney quote i think where um uh health uh Hal Finney says something about people running their own nodes, um, uh, which he says just sort of just to support the network. And then Satoshi says, yeah, I think it would appeal to the, the libertarian mindset or something. Um, so I think that's, 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 that's as political as Satoshi got. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's currently it feels very sort of libertarian. Um, and when I say libertarian as well, I kind of, I say it with a pinch of salt because, 
for me, libertarianism and, and for many people in Europe is, is different to kind of the US version of libertarianism. So historically, libertarianism um, uh, um, challenged the idea of private ownership over the means of production. Um, but then sort of during the time of Aaron Rand, libertarianism um, and Rothbard, it, it took on a new meaning in the in the states. And this is, you can verify all this, you know, go on Wikipedia, I think it's like the second paragraph under libertarianism. Um, uh, the, the term became co-opted. So, so within socialism, there's a tradition of libertarian socialists, um, uh, which, you know, was, goes right back all the way back to uh, Charles Dickens, a libertarian socialist and wrote about the sort of inequalities in, in London at the time and so on. Um, so, yeah, so it, with a lot of these sorts of things, it's very hard to talk about them without def- making definitions um, or uh, making clear definitions so you know exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, um, so, yeah, at the beginning of the show, I did uh, I did warn you that I, I have a, a tendency to ramble on. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think that, um, I, I, you know, when I asked that question, what is Bitcoin, um, I, I view that as more subjective, and I think that it's a really good question, less so as some sort of uh, attempt to define the objective um yeah sure yeah that was sure that was i suppose that was my yeah that was probably my my um i kind of wrapped up the what you said about the sort of libertarian aspect of of bitcoin um but no as 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 what bitcoin is to me i mean for me it's the it's the people's money you know it's um the money version you know the the us passing these lumps of scarce material to each other um it's the it's the people's money owned and regulated by the people you know um uh, I, I think it's in its infancy, and I think there's a whole load of commodity uses which we'll, we'll probably find in in the future. Um, but also, I think um, one of its a couple of its made its most important properties, which uh, well, well, people do discuss, is you know it's free and open source software, and that's very important. Um, but it's you know it it kind of it feels like non proprietary software. So you know when when Linux was was battling Microsoft in the '90s. Um, uh, and it was, it was, you know, it was battling the, 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 the proprietary software. Um, it was just, re- it was just like a small guppy. It was, it was, it was insignificant in comparison to the scale and, and, and the, the, the amount of value and energy and effort, which was going into, uh, Microsoft, but just the idea alone, um, of, of, you know, groups of these hackers just building this software from their, their bedrooms or whatever, or from very modest, uh, backgrounds. Was was terrifying to the big corporates, and um, and now you know it's Linux's and and free and open source software is a is a kind of cornerstone of our, our digital world, and I think Microsoft now is one of the biggest open source uh, is the biggest open source contributor because they've had to adapt. Um, so the non proprietary software has forced the proprietary software to kind of contribute more and behave itself. Because uh, it has, it's no longer kind of got that monopoly. If if Microsoft and if the uh, you know Apple or whoever the software companies, if they if they treat their customers too poorly, then their their customers have this open source option which they can download for free and it's safe and it works. Um, sometimes a little, a little bit more clumsy than the non the, the proprietary software, um, but that's getting better over time. Um, so for me, Bitcoin kind of feels like that. It's this it's this opt out option. So you have, you know, your, your proprietary fiat currency, and then you have this opt-out, you have Bitcoin. And if uh, the fiat 
if it you know isn't working properly and if they don't behave themselves then you have that option to opt out into bitcoin um uh, so i think that's a very important value in that it will encourage in the future um uh, it will encourage fiat to behave itself more and more um, and just as kind of microsoft reacted to free open source it had to kind of get involved and start engaging in it and um uh, I imagine Fiat will probably do the similar thing with regard to um, with regard to Bitcoin. Um, and another, the other property which people don't talk about as well is this apolitical nature. Uh, so if you look at the past, well, post World War II, um, how much of the you know uh, the conflicts in the world have, have have boiled down to the U.S. trying to keep the dollar as the world reserve currency. Um, uh, and it's almost too much of a burden for a, for a country to have to, to to have its currency as as the world reserve currency that you know which people buy and sell things like oil in, for example. So to have like an apolitical money, um, a backbone for the world economy, uh, it's create much, in my opinion, much more stable world where there's a lot less conflict um, because there won't be this big you know currency which has to fight to to keep its place. Um, um so it's interesting as well because i mean this is the problem with uh sort of defining bitcoin as um belonging to one political group or one particular set of economists like the austrians or i mean john maynard keynes so when he went um uh uh to pitch was it called the Bretton woods agreement when he went to the Bretton woods agreement um where they decided that the u.s dollar would be the well, gold-backed dollars would be the, the world reserve currency um, uh, and would be used by all the other countries to, to, to trade between countries. Uh, John Maynard Keynes, his original proposal, well, his proposal was to have uh, a decentralized federated currency called the Bancor. And the Bancor was going to be a collection of commodities um, which would have a set interest. Um, and then countries would... It's a real complicated but very clever system to try and... So John Manny Keynes' primary motivation was to create world stability. You know, we kind of forget that the world is a un, very unstable place. Well, it isn't, it's clear that it's an unstable place, but, you know, post-World War II, they were very aware that it was a very unstable place. Um, and uh, John Manny Keynes, his, his, his goal was to just try and make the world more stable and safe. So he came up with this concept of this bank or um, which would was was this apolitical money because he knew that the dangers of having uh a political money having a, a country which you know owns the the world reserve currency and and you know just think what would have happened between the end of the world war ii and, and now had had the bank or been used as the you know the the world's world reserve currency as opposed to the us dollar yeah, you know, just going back just a little bit, I, I just wanted to say that the, that you did uh, uh, make some absolutely correct points in that, that there is a difference, and, and we in America kind of take, you know, in the American libertarianism kind of tend to forget that there is a different definition. And as far as I know, I, you know just doing my limited amount of reading um, on this was that I believe that by the time that Rand and them basically, because they came, I think that term was pretty much defunct in... Um, kind of the uh in, in left circles like they didn't really use liberal or uh, libertarianism much anymore and i think that's why they decided to adopt that it just was it was kind of an out of use term i'm not 100 percent on that but it was definitely a co-opted term and it means uh, absolutely two different things i think that uh, noam chomsky 
um, would consider himself a uh, libertarian socialist, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's um, he he sort of outwardly calls himself, but he also calls himself an anarchist. And this is, and, and so anarchism is another term which is is kind of somewhat being co-opted. So when you when you talk to ANCAPs, you know, and like Proudhon, the, the the first self-proclaimed anarchist, he's he's the one who said that property is theft. You know, so how do you go from that to like anarcho-capitalism? Like it. <laughs> It's quite a reach. It's quite a journey. Um, so, but then, then it kind of makes the, the so you have then these capitalists or um, uh, libertarian, you know, Rothbard, Austri- Aust- Austrian type uh, um, economists will call themselves like an anarchist. And I'm like, how, how are you an anarchist? You know, like for me, you know, anarchism is is quite is is, is far left. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's left and a little bit more. So. Um, uh, so more more left than socialism so it, it does make it incredibly difficult like when you're trying to engage in debate and, and conversation when people just have these completely different definitions you know um yeah. so yeah yeah no and and just kind of i guess rolling into the, the second definition that i wanted to kind of get out of the way right at the beginning is is uh, for you what when you call yourself a a socialist what do you mean by that how do you define that term well, I mean, yeah, so that's that's often what people will ask when I bump into them in meetups or conferences. Um, uh, they'll say, so, you know, why do you call yourself a socialist? And I'll say to them, I'll say, well, you, you define socialism for me. And then they'll often come back with, well, you know, it's about government control and state and centralization and things which, as a Bitcoiner, I'm against. And then I'll say, well, yeah, I'm against those things too, you know, but I'm still a socialist. So socialism, if you Google, you know, define socialism. Um, and then just get you know the dictionary definition of socialism, um, and it's the uh, um, uh, political um, and economic theory that advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange be controlled and regulated by the community, be controlled or regulated by the community as a whole. Um, so it just means decentralizing control, um, uh, essentially. So, uh, and this is this is how in which I can very much relate it to Bitcoin. Uh, so, um, so once, so there's a number of ways to try and achieve that, that end. Um, one of them is government, which some people, you know, some countries will try or democracy and they'll they'll try and achieve, uh, this, this, this ideal and they'll have some, and for some things it kind of works okay. You know, like, um, healthcare, universal healthcare, that's, uh, the data seems to point towards that the countries with the better healthcare systems are, are, you know, national healthcare systems. Uh, education, you know, I used to be an educator, and it's very important that kids have access to education. Roads, you know, government's pretty good at doing roads, but it's still buggy. It's still not perfect, you know. It's and as I said, I used to be an educator, I used to work for education, and there was it was such an inefficient system which wasted a hell of a lot of money. So, um, I'm, so 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 yeah. So that's so government's a tool to try and achieve that dictionary definition, which is. Um, uh, the means of production, distribution, and exchange be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Um, so, uh, Bitcoin for me is maybe another technology which could be used to um, to achieve that. Um, and inherently, in Bitcoin, it's decentralized. And you know, who owns Bitcoin? The community owns Bitcoin as a whole. You know, who 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 has uh, ownership over its regulation? The community as a whole. Um, so, and that's kind of the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that you, 
you can be a homesteader, you know, with your node running on your satellite um, uh, off grid with a, I don't know, a solar panel, whatever. Um, um, but then occasionally you need to decide whether you're going to do a software update. And when you decide whether you're going to do that software update, you're engaging in a, a community decision on how to take that software forward. Um, and that decision-making process has been taken away from, you know, the centralized decision makers um, in something like fear, for example. Um, and it's been given to, to, to the people, to the community as a whole. Um, so, so you can't already talk about socialism without talking. So, so, so that's my definition of socialism is that dictionary definition. Um, uh, but then obviously, you know, you, you, people will say, well, you know, what about all these horrible examples where you've had, you know, like the USSR or, you know, Mao or Pol Pot or however. So Karl Marx um, was, uh, um, he was anti-state. He didn't like state. He thought the state was a structure to enforce sort of class hierarchy and he didn't like it. He wanted it to wither away and die. Um, and he said it would in socialism. Um, Karl Marx arrived at socialism by looking at slavery, then feudalism, then capitalism, and then just saying that, you know, we're not at the end of history and these current previous systems collapsed in on themselves because they had these contradictions and capitalism's probably going to do the same and then hopefully we'll get this thing called socialism. Um, uh, or the, the, the collapse will kind of cause this, this thing called socialism. Um, but he was always very hazy on how that transition would happen deliberately because he didn't know. He, he, he knew that it would happen um, because the uh, basically the the worker, um, the producers would become uh, so oppressed that they'd um, sort of overthrow, you know, the, the, the capitalists. He imagined it would be bloody and horrible, just uh, like the French Revolution, which had happened a few years before before he was born. Um, or 50 years before he was born or something. Um, uh, but I'm more hopeful that that um, revolution, that uh, those oppressed people who kind of rise up and, and take control of the, over the means of production, I'm more hopeful that that happened through, uh, you know, peaceful means, through um, worker cooperatives, um, through... Uh, even things like, you know, in, in the modern workplace, more and more workers are getting more more autonomy because it's it's more productive for workers to have autonomy. Just look at like kind of agile and Kanban systems, you know, in IT companies or whatever. They're, 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 the, the, the role of the management is is to, to, in a good company, is to kind of orchestrate the workers so the workers feel like they have some more autonomy. Um, the next step is to, to kind of get rid of the, maybe not get rid of the managers, the managers, you know, they often serve a very important role um, um, and they you still have managers in co-ops but to get rid of the capitalists so the person who actually owns the means of the production um, and then have the means of production owned by the people who actually work in an institution so so yeah so <laughs> so currently the sorts of socialism we have um, within democracy for example is quite good at healthcare and education that sort of stuff it's absolutely miserable and horrendous at industry um, uh, uh, and and when when people have tried to to use uh, government to 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 um, make uh, industry to socialize industry, it's it's it's, it's got quite messy. Um, yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. Healthcare and education. So I do ramble. Well, I was like, yeah. Let me go. Let me let me backtrack a little bit on myself. Um, so uh, yeah, the 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 bad rap which socialism gets, the USSR and Mao and Pol Pot very important point 
Um, so post-Marks, uh, Lenin, who was a, um, a politician and wanted to take control of the USSR, he brought into being this idea of state capitalism. Um, so uh, there was a, a few things, I can't remember the name of the guy, LaSalle, I think his name is, um, who came with this idea that in order to get from capitalism to socialism, they would create this thing called state capitalism. So the state would take control of the means of production and then it would like set up the environment so you know the society could take control of them. You could have worker-owned, you know, uh, factories or whatever. Um, lo and behold, when Lenin took power, you know, he, he disbanded the the trade unions and then killed a bunch of you know socialists and communists and um, uh, and what they had was state capitalism, wasn't socialism, and uh, that then passed to Stalin. Um, and then Lenin, till his dying day, you know, he said that the USSR was state capitalist. It wasn't. It was. A, it was a holding system to to bring about socialism. Um, um, and that model uh, was then used again in China and used again in um, all these other horrible examples of of people trying to force socialism. Sadly, as well, the 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 the, the concept of socialism is very easy to sell to poor people. So if you're, you know, a tyrant and a dictator and you want to take control of a country full of poor, hungry people, you know, if you tell them, look, I'm going to give you the control just for now, just give me the right to take control of all these industries, um, they'll, they'll, they'll help you get into power. So, uh, so yeah, but so the way in which Marx envisioned socialism happening, he thought that it would happen in um, the country with the most um, evolved uh capitalist form of capitalism sort of true capitalism which at the time he thought was probably going to be germany because germany was the most kind of advanced capitalist advanced society um and he thought that would probably then evolve into socialism um but you know he didn't think it was going to happen anytime soon and he didn't give a, an outline as to how it would happen um, um so when i see something like bitcoin or free and open source software you know like why does free and open source software exist? It exists because some people wanted to take control of the software. The producers, the programmers who made the software said, no, we want control of the software. So they went away and they made the Free Software Foundation and we end up with free and open source software. Um, why do we have Bitcoin? You know, the centralized government or, 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 or you know, I tend to think of government and, and um, uh corporate conglomerates has kind of all been mixed up together. So uh, there's just the, the rich Mr. Monopoly set up there. He's got control of money and money tends to drift towards him. And then we, the people have said, no, we don't want that anymore. We want our own money, which we don't have to trust, you know, trusted third parties. We want, we want to have um, control over our money as, as a, as a, as a community, or we just want, you know, even just to be self-sovereign and we don't want you to have control of our money. And then um, uh, we decentralize it. So, that conflict is something Marx talked a lot about um, between you know those in control and the, the the majority who don't have control, and then that revolution is then the thing which he then went on to you know talk about after his analysis of previous revolutions. So I think it may be in a roundabout way that I might have covered my interpretations. <laughs> no, so I, I guess. You know, one of my one of my first questions would be, you know, as far as from your perspective as a Bitcoiner and a socialist, what what is currently wrong with the fiat banking system 
as it exists now, um, or as it would exist, let's just say, in a socialist system, why is Bitcoin um, better for a socialist system than saying having a socialist system in the in the, uh, the means of production, you know, owned at the at a lower level and not at the state level? Um, or at the corporate level. Well, so if it's uh, if it's why... owned at the if it's owned if it's owned at the state level, then that's not socialism. See, I mean that's very clear. Yeah. Like you can look at the definition yeah. of state capitalism, socialism. Yeah, so I, that I is, just mean... but that's often yeah that's often the confusion though. See, this is this is the the real problem, and it's, it's a definition thing again. You know, you, unless unless you define socialism as just being uh, producer control over the means of production, then um, people often then you know concatenate sort of state capitalism in there as well. And then, and then when I'm back, when I'm when I'm saying, look, I'm a socialist, people are like, oh, you're horrible. You want the state to control everything. It's like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> that's that's not socialism. Um, but no, I I I I see. I yeah, I see. I see. I see. Um, I see your point. Like how how will Bitcoin? Um, uh, why what what in in a socialist worldview? How's Bitcoin gonna gonna be better than than fear, for example? Yeah, because if if you had the producer uh, ownership of the means of production. Um, whether, um, I guess, I guess without getting in, into too deep of the definitions, but in, in, in the, in the socialist world that, that, that meets your definition, you'd like to see uh, what would be the benefit of having Bitcoin versus them just kind of having, um, their own fiat banking system, um, um, within that, within that, uh, socialist system. Well, I think, um, in the, the medium term, uh, in the short term, obviously Bitcoin is just going to kind of continue to be volatile. But when it actually starts getting adopted by people properly in the in the medium term, it will bend the arm of government. We'll still have fiat, but fiat will be um, uh, it'll have to behave itself more and more, and then it'll start engaging in Bitcoin more, and then eventually it may even become so. I don't know the British pound. It might be a, a side chain of Bitcoin, you know, much like the sort of liquid network or something. Um, and it'd be pegged to Bitcoin, uh, and Bitcoin would be kind of the. It could be used as a settlement layer for countries to, you know, send value to one another, or it could just be used by normal people if um, if they if they get so annoyed at their their fiat system, you know, which isn't working properly. Um, uh, so, and that, that in that sort of scenario, they can still have. Uh, things like inflation, but they can't have too high inflation, or else people are just going to leave and go to Bitcoin. Um, so, I mean, I suppose it is just a matter of time before Bitcoin then starts swallowing up all the value. Um, but you know, government still has some benefits in in centralization, in that it's um, uh, it's sort of less cumbersome than than, than Bitcoin, and it, it can it can I don't know, it can it can. If it, if it needs to create more value, it can kind of inflate slowly, I suppose. Um, but so, I mean, I think a lot of people who are used to working with fiat, they'll continue to kind of use that that system for a while. But like you say, eventually we'll all kind of move to, to Bitcoin. I think John Nash, John Nash, do you know John Nash, the mathematician? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with him. Uh, I'm not intimately familiar with, with a lot of his work, though. Yeah, so in the last few years of his life, he, well, I mean, in most of his life, he was obsessed by money. And for the last few years, he talked about this thing called ideal money. And in his ideal money scenario, he kind of thought of um, there would be a, a natural competitor, which would then force the hand of 
fear to, to force fear to, to behave itself. And that's kind of a more ideal form of money then, you know, like this. So you have the non-proprietary, the proprietary, you know. Um, but I think the non-proprietary eventually will win out overall. When it does, uh, and the, um, uh, the ability for those rich one for the rich one percent to rig the game so you know the inflated currency which is losing value for everyone else um they're pocketing more and more of it because they're you know in in bed with the government um their ability to have that relationship uh will become less and less and the the the, which would mean that the, the the people um and then if hopefully if it goes the way i want it to go in that bitcoin can uh, facilitate um, uh, you know co-ops worker co-ops uh, the technology of Bitcoin can facilitate that then uh, people will receive more value they'll receive you know um, uh, as opposed to maybe now they receive 60% of the, the, the value which they're putting into the system they'll receive you know 99% and then 1% will go to I don't know bounties on a bit of software or whatever um, uh, so but I mean so <laughs> With tax, for example, um, there's still points of contact which can be taxed. So, you know, I'm not against tax. You know, I, li- I like the school my kids go to and the, the roads which I drive on and the, the park we play in and stuff. You know, they're, they're nice. Um, I like the fact that my bins get picked up and um, uh, I wouldn't want to live in a world where um, I'm paying private companies to do any of those things. You know, it's something which I think as a society we we can we can get together and we can we can work these things we have since you know societies first existed we've made you know common land common spaces where we can in, do things um so uh yeah taxes will still exist but there'll be you know taxes on wages for example so you know people who are paid a lot of money they pay more tax you know the, the taxes on value-added tax on purchases real world world purchases in a country so like property for example you know rich people they like buying big houses um so you can you can you can get tax there as well um uh so yeah so i think it's i mean this is this is I'm not sure. I, it's really hard to think about time frames because you think maybe all this stuff is like, you know, 100 years down the road or 50 years down the road, but everything seems to be accelerating so fast. Um, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, it, it, you, you, can't, you can't kind of think, well, this, you know, in, in the next 10 years, uh, countries will um, start to be outcompeted by Bitcoin and their reaction will be that their forms of fear will become um, uh, more accountable and, and, and they'll become better you know and people will carry on using their their crappy currency for a little bit longer because uh, we could have some horrible economic crisis and this is my other point as well this is why i think it's very important to address the socialist thing is um when we have a huge economic crisis i remember the last one in 2008 and i remember listening onto the radio and i remember people saying oh you know it's capitalism is, is capitalism failed you know um and at the time it kind of felt absurd to me you know um because uh, for me, I thought there was no alternative <laughs> uh, at that time. Um, so I wasn't much of a socialist really until, I mean, I liked the idea of it, but I thought it was unworkable until I saw Bitcoin. Um, uh, but this time, when the next big economic crisis happened, and I think most of us agree it's going to be probably worse, which is more or less definitely Agreed. means it will be absolutely horrendous. Um, there'll be a lot of hungry people, very angry, hungry people who will want to just attack and destroy and create new systems. Um, 
and and people will be talking about it again. They'll be saying, well, has capitalism failed for one? And then they'll be saying, so what is this Bitcoin thing? And maybe we should be putting our trust in that. Um, and then they'll be saying, well, you know, should we go, should we try and create a more socialist environment or should we try and work on these worker co-op things? Or I don't know, it's, it's quite a terrifying concept because for me, economic crisis, you know, again, you know, Reed Keynes, you know, he predict, predicted the Second World War after the reparations against the Germans in the First World War. Um, economics heavily influenced conflict. Um, so uh, the, the, the concept of a, a huge world economic crisis is absolutely, and particularly being in Europe as well, is uh, absolutely terrifying. But um, uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know how we got to this point from from tax, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but, but I do agree. I think that economics is so much more important than people realize because um, I, I believe I, it was a couple episodes ago, I was talking with Jeffrey Tucker, I believe, and I looked over to my right and I, I've, I've started to actually uh, uh, collect uh, inflated currencies of the world, you know, like the Zimbabwe notes and bolivars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I've got a few. And one of them I have is like a $100 million Reichsmark note from 1923, I think. And, mm. and you know, it, it was you know interesting that kind of fit into with a book I'd been reading recently um, it's by uh, Vera Britton. Um, she was a British peace activist. She was a nurse in World War One. But, anyways, uh, what, what they, you know, what I'm getting at is that with, I think that you can draw a direct line, and this kind of goes into the idea of non-interventionism as well, of of U.S. involvement in World War One is probably you can draw a pretty direct line between that and the outcome of World War One, um, and being able to impose those sorts of reparations. Um, on on Germany, which you know those sorts of outcomes, that's a lot of what ifism. I get that, but uh, mm. but those sorts of outcomes well, no, you, result you, 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 in, yeah. in 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 a in a reality that there's no way, or, or I should say, it's highly unlikely that someone like Adolf Hitler is going to rise to power in a Germany that was struggling because of the war, but wasn't absolutely completely in shambles. That's when a failed mm. painter. And a rabble rouser, you know, uh, yelling in bars at the time, uh, get, gets elevated to that sort of position. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, I agree completely. Uh, and Keynes, Keynes were, I mean, so you say like, you know, it's kind of in retrospect now. Um, but, you know, Keynes wrote a book called The Reparations of the War. Um, and uh, in it, he said, we're going to have another world war. And this is after World War One. Um, uh, and, and this was based entirely on the way in which we, treat, we treated the Germans. So, uh, so no, it's it, you can predict these things, and, and um, so you know, obviously, we've in the UK here, we've got the sort of Brexit coming up, and sort of harder European borders, and um, which, which again, for me, is quite a scary concept because Europe's it's a, it's, a, it's a tinderbox. It could, it could explode at any, and it's a powder keg. It could explode at any time. Um, uh, so yeah, so I, I think that a lot of us who who are, you know, like the, the the little hardware things which I make, you know, a lot of the people who who feel the sense of urgency with Bitcoin, like we need to get this stuff built, we need to get it built now, we need to get it working, we need to get it ready. A lot of it is because we we you know we we have this. Uh, this fear, this, 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 maybe it's just in the back of our minds subconsciously that we're going to have this horrendous crisis and people will turn to Bitcoin and our shit needs to be together because we need to be able to provide this solution, you know? 
um, which will hopefully then make the world a little bit more stable um, uh, with apolitical money uh, and with, with uh, yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll make the, the world a little bit more stable. Um, uh, so, yeah, so what was, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, we originally had started uh, talking about uh, the, the concept of why would Bitcoin be better than fiat um, in, a, in, in a world that has moved on to uh, uh, where the, the means of production are in the, you know, the, the producer's hands. Uh, I, but I guess the, the next thing I wanted to go into is that I guess looking, looking at uh, looking at things in, in, a, in a socialist system, um, you know, the, one of the reasons that I became a, a libertarian and moved from being kind of this interventionist neocon type of person, uh, basically a big fan of George Bush. And the reason what I, I did that was because I, I came to the to to the moral decision that I that force that I don't believe that uh, the initiation of force is ever ever you know uh, okay that that uh, defensive yeah. use and that that's an individual choice too if you if you know there's some people who choose to you know completely turn the other cheek right and and never even use defensive use but the idea of initiating force I feel is never uh, morally acceptable and to me the only way to yeah, enforce but, forms yeah. of like taxation or to uh, a lot of times when I'm arguing and and uh, we kind of talked like this offline but I guess I didn't really kind of preface this with the mm. listeners is that uh, this was not meant to be so much a uh, although it, it may just very well devolve into kind of like just a discussion of the topic but of <laughs> uh, this is not a you know like a debate on the merits and of socialism versus libertarianism or just uh, either way. But what I always struggle with when I talk to socialists ever is so, you know, in this system, if I decide like I want to, um, you know, I guess this is using a bad example because this is, uh, you know, the concept of renting or or whatever. But if I decide to do that, what happens to me? And it usually ends up being, you know, whoever enforces the, the those laws is going to you know, come and, you know, arrest me, whatever, right? If I decide not to um, pay what's considered my fair share in that system, um, uh, you know, people with um, some sort of authority um, and, and weapons will will come to get me. And then I, I wonder how, how does that work without talking about the morality of that, um, even though I just did, <laughs> or at least my perception of it. Um, <laughs> with Bitcoin, it's a little bit different because right now at, with um, the ability to enforce laws or regulations, right? Uh, with a bank, you can go to that bank and say, hey, we're the law. Um, this person has not paid their taxes. You know, here's whatever legal rent mm. that we need. And they put a lien on your account. They, they freeze your funds. With Bitcoin, if, if you're non-custodial, if you're running your own full node, you have your own wallet uh, and you control your own private keys, there's really nothing to stop that. That that. That's kind of where my fiat yeah, sure. well, I mean, that, kind of fell yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, tax should be a hard thing to collect, I think. It shouldn't be a, an easy thing to collect. Um, uh, if you're, you're running your own full node and you've got your own financial self-sovereignty, then great, you know. And if, if you're able to kind of, I don't know, maybe earn an income which is outside of... Uh, the, 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 the physical society you live in maybe you do something online and you're able to get money that way or something um 
and you're able to hide that money, then, you know, more power to you. But then if you want to go out and start spending that money, um, then you're going to get taxed. You know, if you're going to go out and buy a car, then you get taxed. You know, if you buy a house, buy a big house, you get taxed. So there's still points where you can tax people. So currently, like, tax systems in the U.S. and the U.K., U.S. in particular, um, uh, it's very much leans towards benefiting the, the richer people in society and then heavily taxing the poorer people in society. Whereas I think something like Bitcoin could make it, we can't rig the game then, can you? You know, you, you've, you've, if everyone's got the option to have their financial self-sovereignty um, and if they can only extract tax at those taxes, at those points of um, uh, contact, then, you know, a rich dude could hide their tax. They could, you know, I don't know, uh, rent a small flat or something and then pretend that they're poor and not spend any of their money. But, you know, what's the purpose in having any of that money? That's generally not how rich people act. You know, rich people generally spend their money. And I think ultimately, you know, we're, we're t- when we say rich people, we're talking maybe uh, the, I don't know, the local millionaire or whatever who lives down the road from you. But, um, uh the, the real wealth of this world is in the hands of a very, very small amount of people. Um, and that wealth needs to be, or well, that value needs to organically redistribute downward to, to, to people, um, not through force, you know, but through preventing the monopoly they have on being able to pull the strings of government to have, you know, the conditions where they can create all that value for themselves. So, I mean, the, the one statistic is that the um, half, the world's po- bottom poorest half of the population uh, um, have, um, there's 40 people on the planet who have the same amount of value as the world's poorest bottom half. Um, so, you know, 3.7 billion, you know, there's 40 people. Jeff Bezos is leading them there with his close, on his way to a trillion. Um so they're, they're the people we need to kind of target. And then normal people then will kind of be in rich. Again, though, you know, we, <laughs> when I talk about time frames, um, uh, we've got such huge developments in technology that... So Marx thought that, you know, from capitalism, you would end up with something like socialism. And then from socialism, that would evolve into communism, you know, full-blown communism. Um when we've all got, you know, when there's a robot army doing all the work for us and we don't have to do anything at all, and no one works, and we've got, you know, 3D printing self-replicators and in, in replicators in our houses, you know, what does that do, do to an economy? So what what use is money then? So um, I, th- I think that my hopes that um, we will have productive worker co-ops um, and uh, well, just people, you know, just claiming control over um, centralized control, decentralizing control in all forms, money, in work. You know, I mean, when, you, when you talk about worker co-ops, all you're doing is you're taking democracy and you're just putting it into a corporation. You're getting rid of the feudalist aspect and you, you're putting democracy in there instead. You're democratizing the enterprise. So you just democratize everything, decentralize everything, have decision making done, you know, in the most, the most decentralized way in every platform. Um, and that that will then inevitably then decentralize value as well, um, uh, uh, and so it's this yeah it's uh, so that's 
yeah, that's 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 the, the, my primary sort of interest in uh, Bitcoin's ability to kind of make the world fair and make bring up um, the poor people of this world. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I... But it may get usurped by <laughs> by technology. Goodness. Hey, folks. I hope that you're enjoying this episode as much as we did recording it. I don't have any sponsors, but if you could do me a big favor and go to iTunes and leave a five-star or a written review, that would help me out a lot. You can also help out by going to supportmypodcast.com. That's supportmypodcast.com, where you're going to find all the other ways that you can help out. If you actually go to the discounts tab, that's supportmypodcast.com slash discounts, you can get on an early mailing list and you will get access absolutely for free as a listener and supporter of this podcast to discounts for such things as VPNs, Bitcoin wallets, Bitcoin-related clothing, as well as other kind of health products that I think are very helpful for people to just live a better life. So go over to supportmypodcast.com slash discounts and sign up today. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, it, and I, I, I can't remember the... Um, I, I actually, I started to make a, make a, a conscious effort to widen my circle a bit in social media and who I follow. Uh, there, there's a lot of like pretty uh, good progressive people, mainly just because they are, they are, they've been uh, very good on the anti-war sort of thing in, in, um, in the kind of the American experience, right? Um, a lot of progressives mm. seem to have gone full tilt um in the wake of the trump election and just basically jump in with anybody who is doesn't matter you know the how what a warmonger that they are but anyway so a lot of them and so i started to get more, more introduced to a lot of people like caitlin johnson national wolf and all that a lot of the, the, the folks are out of uh, australia i've actually found but anyways so i've tried to expand out uh, a, a little bit and just to get a, a better idea of of just kind of where, where people's different um, um, kind of mindsets are. And, you know, I, I was yeah, talking no, about... Yeah, I think that's yeah, very important. Yeah, it's... I, I thought that I had, you know, whenever I hear people talk about, you know, just make sure you don't get in the echo chambers. And I realized, like, you know, I was like, oh, of course. But then I realized it wasn't. And anyway, so I, I was talking with one of them and... Uh, it, one of the issues they were talking about was how uh, big banks and they have access, you know, this basically they get money for free to loan out to the average people. Um, and that is totally made possible by central banks. Central banks loan mm. them money at near or at 0%, which they can turn around and, and mortgage, you know, give you a mortgage to a house, you know, at 4%, 5%, you know, a car loan at 12% or whatever it may be. And so the closer you are to that power, the closer you are to the creation of that fiat money, uh, the the mm. the better off you are. And when it comes down to the average person, especially the people with the lowest rungs of the ladder, they're usually the ones facing the highest interest rates. And it's not that I don't think that Bitcoin would eliminate loans or anything like that. But I think that that sort of predatory system uh, that allows for it on such a massive scale, because I don't think that any ideology is going to eliminate uh, the predatory nature well, of man. You can, you, you can balance the books with Bitcoin, which you couldn't do, you know, in 2008, we just, we went to balance the books and we couldn't, you know, there was all this fake value, which had managed to get in there somehow. Um, whereas that's not possible with Bitcoin. You know, you can verify the value, which is there. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that kind of stops that, that, that behavior, um, uh, which you were talking about there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of 
especially people who get into Bitcoin. Uh, I think that there's a lot of commonality regardless of where you come out. And kind of going back to what you said at the beginning that what I was saying, you know, the Bitcoin very early on was libertarian. And and you are correct that I, you know, I kind of classify Bitcoin so far as in kind of a, a few waves, like the first wave were the kind of more, um, the, the more tech uh, developer types. Uh, and then the second wave was kind of more the people that got attracted for political or activist reasons. And I think in that second wave, that was heavily libertarian. Um, I think it, it, it um, at least... That's because that's how I found it. Uh, my, yeah, myself, but I mean, personally. so, so, yeah, so you, you had, I mean, obviously you had the crypto anarchists and then you had the cypherpunks who, who actually kind of time toned down uh, the, the crypto anarchy. I mean, you just read the manifestos, read the crypto anarchy manifesto, and then read the cypherpunk manifesto. And a lot of the political stuff is kind of pulled out of the cypherpunk manifesto and it's more about, yeah, we're going to build this software so people can just have privacy and do what you want with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so obviously you did have, you know, the, the t- people like Tim May, Tim May was, um, I always, I always struggle with that guy. I mean, like, so you read the crypto anarchy manifesto and obviously there's like, a, it begins and ends with two, uh, the same, the beginning and ending from the communist manifesto. Um, and you sort of, and with it being anarchy, anarchism as well. Um, I, I think is he, is he in some way paying homage to the left and there were some, uh, people within the sort of crypto anarchy movement who were kind of a bit lefty, but I think, yeah, generally it was more like us libertarian, you know, you know type free market types. Um, uh, and then, uh, then you had the cypherpunks. I mean, so like Jude Milhorn, who named the cypherpunks, she was a lefty. Um, and then post cypherpunk, when you had Bitcoin, then like Amir Taki, for example, you know, who wrote BIP one, um, and, out bit system and organize bitcoin so you could actually like develop it properly as free and open source software you know he went off then and fought for the narco syndicalism or but in um northern syria um which is a, a very left concept you know um uh we fought with the kurds against the the taliban and to help bring about this decentralized society based on what is kind of called anarcho syndicalism but is 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 they call it uh democratic confederalism i think um uh so he was he was somewhat lefty i would say um i've noticed that i've had some pretty and i'm going to name names because i don't want to embarrass them but i've I, I, uh, i've had some pretty like well-known influential like leading figures and a, a number more than a handful um, who've come up to me and who've, who've, who've really wanted to kind of like discuss all this stuff um, and have said that, that they, I think they just, they look for solutions. They think, well, you know, this kind of Austrian economics, it's not, there's not a solution there. You know, if you've got a, a country, well, let's say the Great Depression, for example, you've got the Great Depression. So you're going to let those kids starve. You're not going to try and help them. You're not going to you're not going to try and fix the problem. You know, it's, 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 it's just not going to happen. You're not going to, people aren't going to let a government sit back and say, well, this is good for the market. You know, <laughs> this, this will, this will get rid of all the bad actors. So we don't have another crisis. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, so one example, which I, I, I kind of wanted to bring this up before, did I give the sort of decentralized Amazon example? No, uh, uh, not, no I, I don't, I don't I did, believe did I? you talked a little bit about the decentralization. So here's an example. Here's an Amazon. example. Of, yeah. So, Here's, a, here's an example for you. So you have two Amazons, right? You've got a centralized Amazon. The Amazon we've got now, we've got Jeff Bezos, 
and then a bunch of people working there, you know, being timed and maximum efficiency. Yeah. And then you hypothetically now you've got a decentralized Amazon. Okay. Um, where the people who work there receive close to the full value they put in, you know, um, a percentage goes on, uh, I don't know, bounties for, uh, um, software's engineers to, to build the piece of software, which, which manages Amazon. Yeah. Um, so the decision-making is taken out of the hands of, of Jeff Bezos off and it's decentralized. It's owned by the workers. Now the, the products in these two Amazons are exactly the same and they cost the same, uh, which Amazon are you going to choose to buy stuff from? I would, which that's a question. Well, oh, oh yeah, sorry, no, no and I, I'll cut this out, but I forgot to, I forgot to mention. I basically, I try, I try to mute myself in between. Um, oh right, shoot, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. So that, I always, I, I always try to remind people that I, it's not that I'm not listening. It's like I have to go and click unmute because I don't want any background. No, no, it's worth, it's worth it because otherwise you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've tried to interview people in the past. It's difficult. So no, uh, so I would choose. Uh, basically as a consumer, I mean, it, it would have to depend on a lot of things, you know, so all things being equal, um, the way that I operate right now, uh, uh, for better or worse is I, I choose wherever, usually whatever's easier, I guess. Cause you know, and I think so hypothetically, hypothetically, these two Amazons are exactly the so same. So apples, okay? apples, uh, same products. Yep, same product, same prices, same. So it looks like the same website, except one's called D Amazon for decentralized Amazon, one called one's called Amazon, right? Um, in the one Amazon where you pay for something, you buy something. The the lorry drivers, the the people in the warehouse, they're involved in the decision making of how that company run, is run, yeah, um, or how their department is run at least. And they uh, for that they they receive you know ninety nine percent of the value they put in. In the decentralized, in the centralized Amazon, obviously you've got Jeff Bezos, and he's he's got his employees who are being employed for X amount, you know. So you've got those two Amazons, which are structured completely differently. This is completely hypothetical, right? Um, uh, the products are exactly the same, and the prices are exactly the same. Which one are you? Which one are you? When you're starting your computer, which one are you going to go and buy from? Uh, I, I mean. I guess, I guess that gets in a little bit of things like then if you're talking about is the decentralized one, um, is that, uh, I guess, is is that in a way where it was started from the ground up as like a co-op, uh, and, and, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was started, it was started by like two guys got together and they, and they could have created a, this is some, this is kind of, let me go, I'll go through the implementation, because, I mean, the technical implementation. Well, I mean, no, how- because like I, I, the reason I ask is because I do have actually like an issue with the idea of like closed shops um with with union because i don't like the idea of forcing people into union membership if they and i understand that's completely different uh because no no this is just this is just say if you want to yeah yeah but i guess just just to make it simpler if i if i felt um um without asking any more clarification questions feel you know i would probably choose a decentralized one because i'd probably feel that that's just a better choice uh for for the people that that are there I mean, it just it's like, a better choice for the people. Yeah, for the better. It's obvious the people who work there are getting more value. They've got more autonomy. They've got democracy in the workplace. It's better. It's a better system. The, the other system, the centralized system with the 
Jeff Bezos at the top. That's feudalist in nature. It's it's shit. Like, sorry, I don't know if we can swear, but it's no, um, it's, fine, don't it's worry. uh, and it, it's it's okay to admit that. You know, if you admit that, you're not admitting. You're not saying I like Stalin. You know, I like Pol Pot. He's you know, <laughs> you're not on board with those guys. To admit that that decentralized uh, Amazon, where whether or not it's possible um, to admit that that is a better system. Uh, for the people who work there, and that as a consumer you would actively choose to go and shop there, um, is that's okay. Like it's you know the only people who would pick the other Amazon uh, would be people who don't like humans who don't like other humans, or Jeff Bezos would pick the other Amazon. So, and that's that's what I'm saying. So if you when you go back right back to that definition of socialism, that the means of production is controlled or regulated by the community as a whole. Sorry, a political and economic theory that advocates that the means of production is owned or controlled by the community as a whole. Um, uh, when you go back to that original definition, that word advocates. So all I've done is I've taken the, you know, the concept of if this thing were reality, you would support it. I've taken that and I've said, okay, well, not only will I support that, I'm going to actively pursue that. I'm going to try and make that thing a possible because I think that thing's better for people and it's, it's better for humanity if people go to work and they have autonomy and they receive most of the, more or less all the value which they put into the system. Um, and, you know, I advocate that. I support that. I, uh, I promote it. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas, you know, yourself, you're not, you don't advocate it. You don't promote it. Um, but if it were a reality, you would support it. So uh, I think that, you know, when we, this is this is my biggest hurdle is is just helping people understand that there is a big difference between supporting that and advocating that thing and supporting you know state capitalism and you know the gulag and uh, like you say like uh, people being bullied into unions and um, centralized control and uh, state regulation, all this stuff, like that's that's they're they're they're, they're separate, <laughs> they're separate concepts. Um, uh, but I, I, what so my, you know, I, I I disagree and I argue a lot with like capitalist ANCAPs, uh, uh, Austrian eco- economists. I disagree and argue more with a hell of a lot of socialists. <laughs> they they annoy the hell out of me because so many of them, they. And you can honestly verify everything I've said. You can go Google it, Wikipedia it, go look at state capitalism, look at state socialism, look at socialism and, and how in which it differs. Look at Marx's uh, analysis of how he arrived at socialism, you know, through reading Adam Smith and David Ricardo and read up on all that stuff. And then you will see that there is, there is a big difference between giving centralized control and the control being in the hands of the producers. Um, uh, um, so, so yeah, so so its relationship to Bitcoin for me, I, I find Bitcoin to be similar to that system. You know, I, I I prefer it to the fiat system because, you know, I prefer to you know put my value and explore the technology there um, because it's because uh, it's decentralized and because I know there's by using it that I'm not aiding and abetting corruption um, uh, and centralization of wealth. Um, so yeah, so. Does that, does yeah. that kind of make sense? I had a little bit of rant there at the end. Yeah, but, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, but I mean, I, I would push back just like a little bit when you're talking about uh, just just the idea that Amazon itself is implicitly, uh, you know, immoral in a way as a, as a feudalist, you know, concept is that 
Amazon, I, I would say, is more empowering than what we had 50 years ago uh, it, to me because, you know, being someone who is and, and maybe just because my my own experience has clouded my, my you know, my, my outlook, but being someone who's done a lot of like side hustle stuff on the Internet, you know, buying and reselling things, going to garage sales and flipping stuff is that, you know, websites like Amazon, you know, Amazon, eBay, those ones. They their their capital investment is offered at now a platform where I can, you know, 50, 100 years ago, my ability to sell would be to, you know, where I grew up as a child was in a town of like 200 people in the mountains in Alaska. Um, my ability yeah. to sell those items uh, would be severely limited. Now I can sell, you know, an ebook. I can sell, you know, a, a podcast. Is that not just is. Yeah. Is that not just the internet? Yeah, no, it's the internet, they, they, but it's also, yeah. uh, I mean, like we had message boards and, you know, I remember, you know, you could start a GeoCities website for free and all that, you know, in the nineties and, and, and do that. But the idea of e-commerce, uh, you know, a lot of it's open source. And I, I, I am an advocate a hundred percent for the concept of open source over something like proprietary or, or patent. Um, um, I do not believe in, um, in IP, at all i think once you have an idea and you tell you know you broadcast that idea to the world i don't think that you have any right to restrict another person um, from using it but that that's a different discussion but i do feel uh that mm. the, the massive capital investment to bring something like youtube to the world originally now now you know over time uh on a long enough timeline you see oh well we don't need a centralized system like youtube because we have x now that can do that for us or or whatever but i mean just kind of looking in the micro of what they were able to do that wasn't didn't exist before um, absolutely um, yeah no i agree completely so did marx marx agreed completely if you read the beginning of the communist manifesto he explicitly sings the praises of capitalism's ability to find utility and create value um and to evolve industry um which is why he said that it would then it would be a, a fully evolved capitalist state which would then flip to socialism so all that stuff all that utility finding. So it's not so often when people think of capitalism, they think, well, that's where the innovation happens. And some innovation happens in within capitalism. Most of it happens in, you know, university laboratories and um, is gifted to to the, the, the free market. And then the free market expands and finds utility within it. You know, look at the thing, everything which makes up your iPhone is look at the internet, for example, or you know, public key crypt cryptography. Um, these things are developed by intellectuals and technicians and engineers who have the time, the thinking space to be able to sit down and create something. And often that is in places like the a university or um, uh, some sort of government funded thing, research center or the, uh, or it could be a, um, uh, uh, like with Tesla, for example, you know, uh, most of their R and D is, is paid for by government subsidy to create new industry. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, capitalism is fantastic at finding utility um, and developing stuff, but it has those inherent contradictions. So look at, you know, Bitcoin exchanges, for example. You have these Bitcoin exchanges. Great. They work. You can use them. And then there's too much messing around and they screw people over. And then something like Bisca turns up where uh, it's a decentralized platform um, where you no longer have a capitalist who owns it. It's owned and regulated by the people who use the software and who want to change the software. Um, and similarly with, you know, Amazon, there's only so far they can push those people before uh, 
it's uh, people will come up with a, a decentralized way of, of doing an Amazon. Um, and to be honest, like just given time, somebody will, will create that anyway. Um, uh, and then use a lot of the, uh, the, I don't know, the, the sort of technology which was founded and, and you, the utility finding by Amazon, they'll, they'll use that to then inform their development of their open source, you know, decentralized version of Amazon. And there was, there was, I mean, there was Open Bazaar for a while, which seemed very promising. And lots of Bitcoin has backed that. You know, they backed Open Bazaar, and Open Bazaar was going towards a more decentralized version of Amazon. So, so yeah. So, um, I want, I want that. I want the, de- I want the, the decentralized Amazon. I don't want it through force. I want it through a free market. I want that to. Um, so we have co-ops. We have some big co-ops too um, in the world, but they can't compete with feudalism you know they can't compete with one dude saying you know do this do this do this and then his managers and then going off and following his instructions and then his workers and the workers of the managers then following those instructions you can't compete with it um uh, but if we have like a way of making decisions um collectively in a decentralized system through consensus uh which I think is possible through public e-cryptography, multi-sig wallets, um, uh, some sort of federated side chain, you know, uh, hackery strapped onto and pegged to Bitcoin. Um, and it, to be honest, it's it's almost so. When we're talking about before about you know the original politics of Bitcoin, this is this is the commodity finding. See, this is the um, uh, you know it's it's like a byproduct of the computer science problems which make Bitcoin possible. So we want to have a censorship-resistant form of money without a trusted third party. Um, well, in order to do that, we need to be able to have the piece of free and open source. We need, it needs to be free and open source software. Well, in order to say what's going to happen to that free and open source software, we need to be able to, you know, come to consensus over decision making, which we do through the you know the node software we're running. So we then ha- so even if you're you know diehard um, Rothbard Austrian economics guy running your own full node at home, then you're contributing towards experimenting on decision-making in a decentralized system, which, you know, words like decentralization and consensus have been battered around in socialism for two, you know, 150 years. <laughs> um, it's something we've been discussing about for a very long time. So, um, uh, even if it's sort of an accidental property of uh, the Bitcoin protocol, um, it enables this thing, which is better. You know, that decentralized Amazon is better. It, it enables us working towards that, uh, that better system. And then hopefully, you know, with those decentralized organizations and systems um, over those centralized ones, we all know that decentralized things are generally more stable um so uh hopefully then it will it will become uh it'll create a more stable world um uh in time yeah yeah i guess you know i kind of mentioned a little bit earlier uh, my you know my my main reason for coming to the concept of libertarianism or at least the american equivalent version of it what was this idea of kind of the rejection of of coercion and I, w- w- one of the questions I guess I've always had for for someone um, 
whether they're you know a, a socialist or anarcho-communist or, or you know a full communist it just kind of you know but but somewhere within that spectrum is why you know within i guess it, there are different versions of libertarianism just like there's different flavors of, of socialism as well and depends on who you ask but kind of a a, a pretty wide uh, uh, br uh brushstroke of libertarianism has this concept of the idea that people can kind of go and do whatever they want, right? So um, that the, the broad concept of, of libertarianism is without um, the, a rejection of the idea of the initiation of violence, where if a group of, of socialists or, you know, um, people of uh, wide enough tent that you wanted to get together uh, on, on the left, that broadly agreed on, on roughly the same concepts wanted to pool enough capital within the capitalist structure to say, go and buy a large um, quantity of land. I mean, I we're not talking about right now. Uh, the idea of doing that and seceding is completely uh, um, improbable, but kind of in the, the idea of, of, of a libertarian world that that's possible. It can go and you can do that. You can have the producer ownership of the means of production while, you know, 10 yeah, miles yeah, away, you have, that, uh, yeah. and, you know, anarcho communists with, or anarcho capitalists with their, you know, um, um, salt mines and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, privately owned nuclear weapons. Um, <laughs> which is kind of the caricature, but do no harm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, it's just, uh, I, I, I always, the, one of the things I've always enjoyed about, uh, uh, libertarians at least the embracement of the caricature but um but anyway i mean like is yeah it's the, the good, good ownership is interesting yeah, yeah sorry Karen. <laughs> I, I usually say chlorine gas i say if you know can you not have chlorine gas that's not fair you should be allowed chlorine gas okay, well, as long as it doesn't if, it, if any of that waves <laughs> uh, uh inch onto my own private property then i have recourse to uh use a, a similar a similar uh, violence upon you right but uh but anyways i digress um uh, this, this kind of is digressing more into the political side versus just the Bitcoin, but it, it was just something I, I wanted to ask you. It's impossible not to, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, especially within this topic, uh, but and especially when socialism mm. itself is kind of one of the main, main overarching, but is that not like, I've always wondered where, like, why can't we kind of form a broad coalition with people on the left of going like embracing the, the concept of libertarianism in time, in terms of people being able to, go and do what they want as long as they aren't trying to force anybody else, you know, saying, well, you're right on my border, but I, you know, we want to be able to make you do what we want. If you just kind of live within your own borders or if you want to buy up. Um, and then to me, that system itself, while it seems uh, on the face of it, utopian, it's not going to work perfectly. There's always going to be um, issues because people are people um, in any system. Uh, but that f for the most part, it would seem to me that that would then be a, a true marketplace of ideas in a way of going like, well, look at those people over there. Um, they're not being interfered with by, you know, uh, by capitalist, um, you know, embargoes from the outside or whatever, anything like that. They're they're doing their thing while we're doing our thing. And whoever can kind of make the greater case through actual action and results i would imagine would would work better i mean what are your thoughts kind of on that kind of uh, broad thought experiment yeah no i i agree I, yeah i agree absolutely completely i want i want um i want that revolution i don't want it to be that i don't want it to be um so yeah a lot of it's kind of the, the i want that revolution to be to be peaceful and to happen within a, in a free market scenario you know i, I want a, i want that decentralized amazon to 
because it's more efficient. I mean, you know, you've worked for people, work for people, I've worked for people, work for people. Generally, people on the front line in a department have a very well informed on how best to take that department forward or on the on the decisions, on the most efficient decisions, like off, you know, when you work for someone else, they'll often, often give you lots of tasks which are kind of crap and will justify the existence of the people above you. Um, that doesn't happen if the people who um, uh, uh, are working in the department are the ones who are collectively making those decisions. So it happens less. They're more efficient. So currently, the only reason which stops like a co-op from you know smashing like a centralized organization out of the world out of the water is um, uh, it's just really hard to organize, you know, and like organize ownership, like part ownership, and making these decisions, but. Uh, once you over, once you overcome that that because that's a technological thing really, once you overcome that technological problem through this uh, crazy new invention, um, um, which to me is kind of like the printing press, you know, which brought democracy to the to the world, you know, the uh, uh, Bitcoin and these decentralized systems could bring democracy into the workplace. Um, so uh, so yeah, I mean, I want that to happen in a in a peaceful free market scenario. And I think it would, it would, it would outcompete just like uh, free and open source software is outcompeting, you know, proprietary software. It, you know, it may not look like it's outcompeting in, the, but it really is. The ninety five percent of the, maybe more, maybe it's like ninety eight percent of the the the, uh, the internet is is on you know Linux servers. You know, um, uh, most people, I don't, is I I imagine Androids are the predominant phone on the planet now. You know, so. Um, more and more people using Linux on their desktops and using free and open source software. And, um, so, uh, yeah, no, so I, I want it to happen kind of like the software revolution. You know, I want it to happen. This, you know, this, this, this plucky upstart, which is made possible by this new technology, then quite big, quite quickly snowballs into kind of a new way of doing things, which is better off for everyone. You know, you can't argue that free and open source software isn't isn't better ultimately for the, the freedom of the users and the autonomy of the users. Um, uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, I recently went to Copenhagen. Uh, so obviously you think of Denmark being quite socialist, but obviously it's kind of like a state socialist. Um, but I mean, they're kind of just so kind of, a, there's a socialist vibe there, you know, the people there are quite socialisty. Um, and uh, in the middle of Copenhagen, there's a, uh, a town called Christiana um, and you can go there and it's pretty lawless. You can pretty much do what you want. And go and smoke weed there, whatever. Take drugs. Um, you know they have prostitution. It's it's pretty lawless. Um, it's a little bit like walking in from because Denmark's quite progressive and everyone looks really nice and everything's really nice and pretty and the food's really good and um, uh, and it's quite arty and cool. And then you, you kind of go from that and you walk into this environment which is artistic and like pushing. It's kind of pushing like a. a, a, a um, like a, a high form of freedom, but it feels a bit walking dead, you know, it feels a bit, it's not the sort of place you'd want to bring up your kids. Um, uh, so, um, was it Rose? Yeah. So there's a, a socialist called Rosa Luxemburg, who again was an anti-statist. She's a very good, if anyone's interested in this sort of anti-state idea of socialism, Ro, Rosa Luxemburg is a very good person to look up. She was, um, she was killed for a sort of anti, anti-state, uh, uh, sentimentalities. Um, so yeah, so she's she's a really good socialist to look up. But Rosa Luxemburg, she's one who said that uh, socialism or barbarism. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's libertarians if they want to have you know 
nuclear weapons and not pay for roads and whatever or you know sue each other through private courts you know um uh i think you know there are places in this world you can experience that that level of freedom and you know they're, they're generally the third world because they're not great places you know it's you can you can have complete free markets and you don't have to pay for roads you don't have to pay taxes and they're not great places to live um so uh yeah so uh i personally would want to live in a society which is stable and stability comes from good infrastructure and good infrastructure currently comes from kind of taxes and so we can kind of work out maybe a better way of doing it maybe taxes are a really goofy buggy way of doing it but currently that's kind of you know where it comes from um uh, and i understand there is that that idea that taxes um is is enforced because if you don't pay it then you know you get arrested and uh, you get chucked in jail um but maybe yeah maybe people should have that option to then move somewhere where they don't have to pay taxes and don't have to pay for the, that infrastructure and then um you know good luck to them i hope it works out for them but um uh, i'm not 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 sure not not sure it will <laughs> no and you you talk about it as well like you don't you don't want uh, a bloody revolution or anything like that and that's a, it kind of reminds me of a quote by uh mirad Modov, who's a, a bitcoin maximalist and um you know he he had said before that the difference between like gold and bitcoin was that for the most part uh gold bugs uh, you know this is more definitely gold bugs are definitely more in the libertarian camp at least in the united states there weren't a lot of people on the left who at all cared about uh, returning to a gold standard per se. Um, definitely not. It was not a, a common thread, whereas in libertarianism, although libertarianism is so small, uh, it, you kind of know everybody uh, who's anybody there pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, with, with gold, a lot of it was like, okay, you know, make sure you buy gold. This fiat system is going to crash. And once it all burns to the ground, you'll have your gold and you'll kind of become a large stakeholder in the new system because, you know, once everybody realizes we need to go back to gold, your gold's going to be worth a lot more than it was, you know, when you're buying it with the fiat dollars and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Um, where, hmm. you know, his point was that gold kind of required uh, to ever kind of come into fruition is that it was going to require almost this, the current system to burn down. Whereas Bitcoin hmm. can kind of slowly replace the system or maybe not, you know, slowly per se. That guess yeah, it's kind yeah. of a subjective term, but can just pull energy uh, 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 pull attention and, and, and pull value out of the fiat system into itself over time as it just replaces it. And I think that was, you know, another yeah. reason that, I, that, that a huge, you know, kind of fell in love with Bitcoin was that it's not saying, you know, we need to, you know, th uh, you know, overthrow the, you know, with fire and blood, uh, the old system. It's like, this thing is just mm -hmm. better. People are going to naturally, uh, over time, as we prove that it's better going to decide to, to choose to, to go with what is inherently a, a more moral and a uh, more fair system than what exists currently. Let's hope so, man. Let's, let's hope we don't yeah. have horrible economic crisis and then a sudden rush. Um, uh, I, I honestly, that's, 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 that's my, my ultimate hope is that it's, 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 it's slow and value trickles into Bitcoin. And then similarly, you know, the, the workplaces reforms to have those democratic, uh, qualities which socialism wants um and then yeah it's, it's a slow it's a slow revolution um uh but uh yeah i mean like you say subjective it's it's so dependent upon 
whether we can just keep the world stable for a little bit longer. <laughs> but I, I, we're, we've been going for a while. I know it's very late in the UK where you're at. Um, I, I wanted to uh, say thank you, but uh, if you if first, why don't you tell uh, you know all the listeners where they can find you? Uh, if there's you know whether it's Twitter or you know any of the uh, other projects that you're working on your YouTube, uh, just uh, let everybody know uh, where they can find you and how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so I mean, if you you want to chat to me, you could go on uh, Twitter and you know at BTC Socialist, one word. Um, or if uh, I've also made a, a series of videos on um, uh, uh, IoT devices, so sort of retrofitting um, devices to to kind of accept Bitcoin, and that's on the the World Crypto Network. I also I also just expand that out to kind of looking at using so hardware um, uh, uh, like microcontrollers and little screens and keypads and so on. They've come down so much in price now um that these sort of devices are incredibly cheap um uh, so i made a bunch of tutorials on experimenting with those devices experimenting with those microcontrollers and just um so you know i I build a sweet machine and get that to accept bitcoin over lightning um and then i had a keypad and then you know that module which i made for the sweet machine is then a point of sale terminal and it costs like you know 15 dollars um so it's cheap enough to make and give to your local coffee shop um uh uh, it uses the service uh, OpenNode. A lot of my projects use the service OpenNode, which I think is really good. That's a, a, a company, a private company, but they're a really good private company. So I, you know, I, I, I like them. Um, uh, I'm also, um, yeah, so I, I sort of bring out tutorials quite regularly. Um, uh, my interest is, it's actually a, um, it's an Andreas quote, which really struck a chord. Um, he was in an interview and they were talking about IoT um, and his, he was saying about the two scenarios, you've got one scenario where IoT ends up um, being sort of corporate owned and you have this, these listening devices in your house and they're collecting all this data on you. Or you've got the, you know, we can use this thing to, to liberate ourselves. Uh, you've got the IoT devices which are owned and regulated by the, the people, you know, the, the, the people who actually own them. Um, uh, and they have control and they understand how it works. Uh, and that's, that's the sort of IoT type stuff I'm trying to work on is is being able to use cheap, uh, accessible, verifiable technology, um, which people can um, uh, uh, easily uh, build their own projects with. And it's been cool. I've had like um, uh, a bunch of people take, so say my sweet machine, for example, uh, a guy, he made a pinball machine using the same uh, module. Um, uh, so it's great to kind of see like people feeding back and then show me the projects which they've made as well. So if you want to watch my uh, tutorials, they're on the World Crypto Network on YouTube. Um, if you don't know that network, uh, if you don't know that uh, uh, channel, um, they've been around in Bitcoin, you know, since like 2013, I think. Um, and uh, they've always been great. They've always had great content. Um definitely subscribe to it. If you go on the World Crypto Network and you go to playlists, I've got a playlists um, uh, and it's got all my tutorials in. You can buy the components. It'll cost you like $20 and there's like, oh, close to like, I think it's like a dozen, 12 different um, uh, tutorials you can do with those same components. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. So Twitter or YouTube. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you. I'll have um, all the show notes, everything that we mentioned, 
as well as uh, all the uh, contact information on the show notes at digitalcrypto.com slash EP35. That's EP35 for episode 35. And once again, Ben, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm sorry if uh, I rambled somewhat. It's very late, and I'm a bit hazy. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I totally um, have a have a pension for that myself. So uh, I do that on occasion. And uh, one of my favorite phrases is "I digress." So, uh, but then <laughs> that you're you're in good company. I digress. So <laughs> there we go. Brilliant. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, You know, Ben is a really cool guy. Like I said at the beginning, we don't always agree, and you heard that in the episode. But, you know, we're two people that both love Bitcoin, you know, talking about why it's important to us and and why it's important to humanity as a whole. If you could do one quick thing for me, go over to iTunes and leave a five-star and a written review. You can also go over to supportmypodcast.com slash discounts. That's supportmypodcast.com slash discounts and sign up to be on the mailing list to get in for an absolutely free program that will give you discounts on things such as KeepKey and Tracer hardware wallets. Bitcoin merchandise, clothing, hats, all that kind of good stuff, as well as Bitcoin artwork, as well as health-related items that I use, such as Four Sigmatic um, Mushroom Coffee, which is really, really cool stuff. Mushrooms are highly undervalued for people's health. But anyways, and the very last thing is, please help support the Bitcoin for ALS campaign. Go to BitcoinFORALS.com, sign up to be on the mailing list to find out when we go live, or just follow us on Twitter, Bitcoin the number four ALS at Bitcoin, the number four ALS for all the, and we're going to be uh, supporting them and what they do. And they are currently running some uh, free giveaways and things like that. So I really appreciate your guys' time and thanks for listening. <laughs>